Welcome to the Foundry Church Podcast, helping you to forge a lifelong reliance on God. To find out more about the Foundry Church or how to get involved, visit us at thefoundrychurch.com. Listen, we're kicking off a new series of sermons today, and I wanted to start with something fun. And so I'm just going to go ahead and say it. Hey, girl. You want to go out sometime? Because I put the stud in Bible study. He has a cup that says it, y'all. <laughs> so, um, okay, we're going to do Christian pickup lines. All right, I got one. You ready? I was reading through the book of Numbers, and I realized I don't have yours. <laughs> All right, I'm no Joseph, but could you help me interpret these dreams that I've been having about you? It's not good. I'm going to beat it. All right. (laughs) I'm no prophet, but I can definitely see you in my future. Okay. All right. All right. I I know you already said no, but like Joshua, I'm going to tear these walls down. Okay. That one's problematic. I wouldn't use that one. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. I'll kick it old school, and I'll go straight to the book of Song of Solomon, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bust out King Solomon's wisdom here and say, your hair is like a flock of goats descending Mount Gilead. Yeah. So I wouldn't use that one either because it doesn't make any sense. <laughs> why, are my hair, why is my hair goats? I don't know. I wouldn't use that one. All right. This is the one, all right? Is it a sin that you stole my heart? <laughs> All right, I didn't, get, I didn't think you guys would go aw on these. I thought more of the booze. But li- luckily, uh, this is not the way that I got Christina to go out with me on that very first date. Uh, I got Christina to go on a date with me by asking her over and over and over again. And I know you guys are shocked that she said no to this, right? But she did, right? She I mean, said no. To be fair, I already had plans with my girlfriends, sisters before misters, right? Right? <laughs> So if you're new to the Foundry, we don't normally start our series of sermons off with cheesy Christian pickup lines, but you did come on the right Sunday because we are kicking off a new series of sermons titled How to Blow Up a Relationship, Your Relationship, and the different ways that we kind of sabotage those types of things. And so we're going to begin that today, and we thought it would be fun to start with how uh, so many of our relationships begin, and that's with a a pickup up line. And now maybe your pickup line wasn't as good as the ones that I just said, right? Hopefully they were a little bit better. They definitely could not have been any worse, right? So I worked hard on those. We put the time in, and, and it's true of every relationship, right? Every relationship begins with some sort of bang. And just, just think about it, right? Hence the title for this series of sermons, right? It's also on the, uh, the, the weekend of the 4th that we're beginning this. It's almost like we, we did this on purpose. <laughs> now, I want you to think back. Right? I want you to think back to the beginning of any relationship that you've ever been in. How was the beginning? 
Right? It was probably pretty amazing before there were some complications. I mean, right at the, the beginning, right? that's why you're going out maybe the second day right? and the third day. It's, it's pretty good. Everything was new. Everything was, was bright. The other person could do no wrong. They always dressed nice. And they, they looked cute. They always did their, their hair. It was done up nice. They never had any gastrointestinal issues. <laughs> <laughs> she has a point. She's not wrong. But here's the thing, right? Here's the thing. Every relationship begins with an explosion, with some sort of explosion, usually a good explosion, but just as many end with a bomb exploding, <laughs> a pretty rough and tough bomb, right? Everyone loves the, the fresh beginnings of relationships, right? If I stood up here and I said we were going to do a series of sermons that's, that's going to start and then we're going to do this series and it's, it's three things you got to do to have your relationship always feel like the very first or the very beginning of your relationship where there's going to be no hiccups or no problems or no situations. The line would be out the door if we were to preach that sermon. But here's the thing. I would be a liar, right? I would be a liar. No relationship in the history of relationships stayed the way that it did in the beginning. Not even Adam and Eve, right? The, the first couple. In fact, every relationship since the, the dawn of man reached a point where a bomb went off. Where something had to give. Now that bomb could go off and it could, it could hit and it could explode. And leaving shrapnel all over the lives of the people in the relationship. And all the people that are around that relationship that's close to them. Or that bomb comes into the picture, like the, the relationship could be faced with this bomb, and the couple, they defuse it. They're like Matt Damon in that movie, uh, Hurt Locker, right? right they're <laughs> defusing the bomb, right? Or, or even if it does blow up, they withstand the explosion to fight another day. And there's hope with that. There's hope with that. And that is what this series is going to be talking about. So this is what we're going to talk about for the next uh, three weeks. We're going to take a break there on the 24th and talk about community when we have our Bring a Friend Sunday Sunday. All right? And that's what this series is for, though. Hope. Right? Communication and guidance to teach us how to be experts at handling the bombs that are in our relationships. But before we get too much further, I want to talk to the single people in the crowd. Um, maybe you have never been married. Maybe you are divorced. Somewhere in between. <laughs> I just want to talk to you because I know that sometimes church can kind of feel like... Um, couples skate and you don't have a partner <laughs> and sometimes feel like a team sport and you're not on the team. Um, but I want you to know that these messages are for you yeah. as well because I feel you. You're looking at a girl that went to Bible college and one of the <laughs> terms I learned very quickly at Bible college was the term ring by spring. And I don't know if anybody knows this, but a lot of girls go to Bible college particularly to get married, and their goal is to get a ring the second semester of their freshman year. <laughs> and there were a lot of girls that actually did that. They were much better daters than I am. I did not do that. 
I am the girl who, the end of my freshman year, my boyfriend at the time, came to me and he said that he really felt like the Lord was calling him to fast. He wanted to grow in his relationship with God and he wanted to fast. So he was going to fast from me. And I thought, oh, how spiritual. And then one of my sweet friends said, Christina, he's breaking up with you. So, <laughs> so I get being single when everyone else seems to be getting married. And I get that sometimes it can feel like you're not a part of the team. But I want you to know this, and I want to get it out of the way for everybody here. Marriage does not equal godliness. Married people, you don't own the corner market on righteousness just because you have somebody to go home to. (laughs) That is not what marriage means. In fact, if you look at Jesus' closest followers, marriage was not the norm. Singleness was the norm, and it was actually preferred. Um, If you pull out your Bibles, and there are some in the seats in front of you, also if you want to download our app, if you download the app, um, click the Bible tab, this verse will be pulled up right there. We're in 1 Corinthians to start with. We're going to jump around a little bit today, but 1 Corinthians chapter 7, um, Paul is talking to the married Christians that are following Jesus, and, and he's telling them this is how you should be married, this is what you should do, um, this is how you should behave, And after he goes through all this big list of things to do, look at what it says in chapter 7, verse 6. He says, I say all of this. I say all these things that you're supposed to do. I say all of this as a concession, not as a command. But I wish everyone were single, just as I am. Yet each person has a special gift from God of one kind or another. So Paul is basically saying, okay, I'm going to address the elephant in the room. Some of y'all are married. It's getting a little messy. So this is what you should be doing. But if you can control yourself, not getting married is better. And look what he says down in verse 28, the second half. He says, however, if you do get married, if you have to get married, however, those who get married at this time will have trouble And I'm trying to spare you from these problems. Paul is basically saying, we are all called to be Christians first. I'm not called to be Andrew's wife first. I'm called to be a follower of Jesus first. But since I got married, there's going to be problems. Just warning you, there's going to be issues. (laughs) There's going to be bombs. (laughs) So marriage or dating relationships of any kind have a habit of pulling us from our focus. And Paul knew that truth, and he knew this truth. The only relationship that can save you is your relationship with Jesus. Yep. I know that when I was single, I would come to these sermon series, and it was like, oh, I can't wait till I'm married. Everything's going to be great. It's going to solve all of my problems. No, when you marry. <laughs> yeah. But the truth is the solution to my problems, the solution to your problems is not finding the right boyfriend. It is not marrying the right woman. The solution to your problems, literally every single one of your problems, is Jesus. Yeah. This week we sent out a survey over social media and our e-news and asked you all to complete it to help us with this sermon series. It was only two questions, so if you didn't fill it out. Shame on you. No. (laughs) But it was just two open-ended sentences that we asked you to complete. And the first sentence said this. If I'm being honest, the biggest challenge in my relationship was or is. And then we just asked you to fill in the blank. And the survey was anonymous, so I don't know who said this, but whoever did probably should be up here speaking. Because they said this. 
If I'm being honest, the biggest challenge in my relationship was or is battling the unrealistic expectation that my spouse would cure my loneliness and insecurities with constant love and attention that honestly, only God and my own self-love could fix. Okay, that's it. That's the whole sermon. <laughs> but that's the truth. Single people, married people, we are all broken people. And finding another broken person to partner with you is not going to fix any issues in your life. Only Jesus could fix those problems. And probably a really good Christian therapist or counselor, which we highly recommend. <laughs> yes, you need the support of your spouse. They need to walk through these relationship issues with you, but they are not going to be the one to fix it. Jesus is going to be the one to fix it. So, single people. Two things. First, if you are waiting to find that special someone, now is the time to be working on your relationship with God and maybe working on your relationship with yourself. We have some really good Christian counselors that <laughs> use our building, but the relationship that you are going to get into is not going to fix the problem. It is going to expound the problem. <laughs> so first thing, work on that. Second thing is listen to this advice. One, you'll be able to use it when you get married, but two, you know people who are married, and they do talk to you about their problems, and you can guide them using the tips and tricks that we're going to talk about over the next couple of weeks. That's what we mean when we say guiding people to forge a lifelong reliance on God. We are walking with people. We are guiding them through whatever they're going through, and you can do that even if you're single as long as you have a relationship with Jesus. Absolutely. That's exactly what we mean by guiding people to forge that lifelong reliance on God. We're in this together. We have kids that we're raising up. We have friends and neighbors and siblings that we want to share this information with. All right, so for the next four weeks, we're going to take a look at the four most common bombs that people see or that they, they like throw or they drop in relationships. And then we're going to talk about how to diffuse them again. I hope my reference is correct, Matt Damon in the movie Hurt Locker, right? How to defuse these bombs. And today we're going to start with the landmine, that type of bomb, of boredom. The landmine of boredom. Now some of you guys I know are thinking that's not really a bomb or why is boredom a bomb? You're giving me these weird looks and I understand you're thinking boredom does not sound much of a landmine. There's not much there. Well, I think that if, uh, for you parents out there, if you ever heard your kids say, hey, I'm bored, right, uh, you know how devastating these words can be. How serious this statement is when your kids say, I'm bored. See, what usually follows those two words is a very poor choice followed by a, usually a very big injury. Now, it's something because they, they just, I'm bored, and they go do something stupid, and they hurt themselves, or they said it one too many times, and you kind of give them the, right, I'm kidding, right? But when they say these words, there's usually something that's a little bit deeper there. In fact, uh, my brother-in-law, Theo, his mom, Sylvia, uh, she raised three boys herself, a single mother, and she knew how much trouble these two words could uh, cause in their household, and so they were banned. You couldn't say the words, I'm bored, and if you did, she would give you something to do, and it was not something that was going to be quick, and it was not something that was going to be fun. 
All right? So these words were off limits because they, they it's something under the surface there like a landmine. All right? Boredom is no different in relationships. Some of us, we look at our, our current relationships and we think, ah, we're comfortable. Yeah, sure, we're comfortable. Sure, we love each other, um, but I'm a, I'm a little bored, right? And when we say these words, or we, we think these words, or we, just kind of, we may not even be able to articulate these words, we kind of just let them uh, kind of fester there in our heart and in our soul. And when we do that, things start to kind of seep into those cracks, right? I'm bored. Thoughts like, well... She doesn't want to do anything with me, so I'll just, I'll just sit here on my phone for a while. And then that turns into a couple hours. And then that turns into a couple hours every night where there's no communication. Or, or you say, I'm bored, so I'll just go to the bar. I'm just going to spend my time at the club or the, the wine tasting or on this website so I can, I can escape for a little while. Right? So I don't have to be present. Or maybe even I'm bored, but I will definitely have more fun with this person. Uh, my wife will never know. Right? Or, man, my, my work spouse is so much more fun. Maybe I'll, I'll just I'll stay late every day and work because work with that person is more fun than being at home with my spouse. Right? We start to kind of make concessions, and we kind of just let things start to creep in. It's like a landmine that's going to take us off at the legs. Right? When, you, when you look out onto the field of any uh, of your relationships, it can look like a normal field. Right? Nothing extraordinary. Uh, just a regular old uh, relationship field that is out in front of us. But in reality, it is littered with landmines of boredom. These landmines that will cut us off right at the legs, just waiting to pop up and rear their ugly heads. Listen to what it says in Proverbs chapter 15, uh, verse 13. And as always, use the Bibles that are in the seats in front of you, like Christina mentioned, but you can take those with you. Those Bibles are free for you to use and to have, to give away, to take. So, so grab a Bible if you need one, or if you know someone who needs one, take those Bibles with you. Proverbs 15, verse 13, simply says this. A glad heart makes a happy face. A broken heart crushes the spirit. Right? A glad heart makes a happy face. A broken heart crushes the spirit. An absence of happiness, joy, of fun crushes the spirit. It crushes us. And that's why you've heard me say it before. We have to have a theology of fun here at the Foundry. Right? Not just with our relationships. We've got to have a theology of fun. And theology is just a fancy church word of saying God's thought. You know, when you have a thought in your mind about God or his kingdom, his church, that's what theology is. That's, it's not some theologian sitting in a cool building with ivory, right? It's, it's just a thought of God. And God is saying, you, an absence of joy, an absence of fun, it, it crushes the spirit. It crushes us. Take, take a look, right? A boring relationship has the capacity to crush. Is that how some of you are feeling right now? Right? Do you have a crushed spirit? Do you, do you hate coming home? Sure, you, you don't fight like your neighbors do, but you just don't do anything. Your spirit, it's a little crushed, or you're cut off at the legs and you, 
and you can't move. So, the opposite, let me take you back to the very beginning of your relationship. Do you remember being bored at the beginning? Probably not. If you were, oh, rude, <laughs> probably not. If you were bored, you probably didn't stay in the relationship. The beginning of all of our relationships is sort of like a bomb of fun. You would go to movies, you would go out to dinner, go bowling. Maybe if you're a little more athletic and healthy, you went hiking or running. I don't know. What do healthy people do for fun? I have no idea. <laughs> so, yeah, we recently started walking, and all I think the whole time is, what's for lunch? What's for lunch? <laughs> Raviolis and a nap. Raviolis. Yes, that's his chant while he's walking. But anyways, no matter how you define fun, at the beginning of your relationship, you had fun. And then let's go back even further. When you were younger and you were picturing your life and you were picturing who you were going to marry, I bet you thought we're going to have fun. And I bet whoever you ended up with thought the same thing about you. Yeah. Why? Because fun is fun. <laughs> <laughs> Boredom can lead to some troublesome things. It can let Bad thoughts seep in, but fun leads to good things. It leads to joy and laughter and happiness and connection. It's the things we want in our relationship, the things that we need in our relationships to survive. I'm going to go to something else that Solomon said. It'll be in the book of Ecclesiastes, chapter 8, verse 15. He says this, So I recommend having fun. Because there is nothing better for people in this world than to eat, drink, and enjoy life. That Amen. way, they will experience some happiness along with all of the hard work God gives them under the sun. Yep. So Solomon says, eat, drink, and be merry. <laughs> <laughs> because things are going to be tough. You're going to have work to do. There are going to be hard things to do. But you need to have fun. Because if you have fun, you, you connect with a person. And you can look back on that when things start unraveling. And we have this connection. We have this bond. We are able to survive. What Solomon is saying about diffusing the landmine of boredom is this. The best way to protect your relationship from boredom is to enjoy your relationship. Let me say that again. The best way to protect your relationship from boredom is to enjoy your relationship. Fun is essential which is really good news because I think we all want that. It's something that we're all longing for. Fun is the good stuff yeah. of marriage, and fun is essential for our marriages. Absolutely. Right? But how do we have fun as a married couple in the real world? Right? How, how do we uh, have fun as a couple when there are some real barriers that are in front of us as a couple, barriers that aren't necessarily optional, things like work and you know, kids, right? <laughs> that keep us from having uh, this fun, uh, like Solomon's talking about. Well, let's start first by stating what fun is not in a relationship. 
Right? And this is, this is golden stuff, especially if you are in that dating relationship or you have unrealistic expectations because this is what fun is not, right? Fun, uh, despite the depictions that are in stock photography, is not perfect-looking couples doing perfect-looking things in perfect-looking locations. Right? I feel quite sure that if I tried to ride a bike with Christina on the handlebars on a beach, we would both die. Right? 100%. Right? right? Thank goodness, right? Thank goodness fun does not require that. Take a look, right? Fun does not require perfection. Fun requires participation. Right? It requires participation. Right? Determine what you both like to do and then do it. Right? Do you like to ride bikes together? Like take walks together? Go out to eat? Uh, all right? Shop. Play tennis, right? Binge watch a TV show, whatever it is, as long as it's legal and not sinful, do it, right? But once you decide uh, what to do, you have to get really, really practical. And that's what this series is going to be about, uh, practicality in our relationships. And so you need to schedule it. You need to schedule it, right? We, we have to make time for fun just like we make time for other things, even the things that we do not want to do, like going to the doctor or soccer practice four nights a week for our kid who just picks the, the weeds, right? So, so we have to make time or the bomb of boredom, the first bomb, this landmine, will explode and take us out at the legs before we even begin. Right? And, and so it's a serious issue. It's a serious thing. But how do we do that in the real world? And so I, I want you to write this down. Uh, this is going to be the most powerful sermon point that I've ever made right, from this pulpit. And here it is. Put it on your calendar. <laughs> Put it on your calendar, right? right? When we uh, need to get things done, hard things, things that are not necessarily convenient, uh, we put it on the calendar, right? When I go to the dentist and they say, what the heck, Andrew, what have you been doing, right? You got a hole in your tooth. You need a root canal. The only way that I'm going to get that root canal done or worked on is if I make an appointment at that moment before I leave that dentist's office, Right? I have to schedule it. I have to put it on the calendar or I'm not going to do it. And so what if we got in the habit of putting fun in our relationships on the calendar? What would that look like? Would that be a good starting point as we start our conversation, as we start to look through Scripture about our relationships with each other, our spouses, in terms of forging our life on God? Wouldn't that be a good starting point? What would that look like? Right? What kind of difference would that make in our relationships? Okay, so for the next couple of minutes, we're going to be really practical. We're going to talk about three things to put on your calendars. Okay. The first one is schedule time to talk. Yeah. And I know some of y'all are like, oh. <laughs> I don't want to do this. So remember that survey I told you all we sent out, and there were two questions. The first question was about the biggest challenge, and you had to complete that thought. And the second was, what has been the biggest help? And we found out something interesting. About half of you said that the biggest challenge in your relationship was communication. And then about half of you said the biggest help to your relationship was communication. I, Andrew and I decided those people were probably married to each other, but, <laughs> but 
All I'm saying is that communication is clearly yeah. vital and important and something that we need to talk about. See what I did there? All right. <laughs> so Andrew listens to this podcast, and it's called The Art of Manliness. I know, shocker, Andrew listens to a podcast about manliness. But <laughs> recently there was an episode about relationships of all kinds. And so he made me listen to it in preparation I, for this sermon. I didn't make you. I asked you. Andrew asked me to listen to it. <laughs> but it actually ended up being helpful. Um, in it, they were talking about being able to read people, being able to look at their face or see their emotions and know what they're thinking and they're feeling. And the expert they were talking to, his name is Eric Baker, and let me get this title right, it's long. He wrote the book, Plays Well with Others, The Surprising Science Behind Why Everything You Know About Relationships is Mostly Wrong. And during his discussion, he revealed this really interesting thing about reading people and knowing what they're thinking, and I put it up on the screen. It says, he said, we can only accurately read the thoughts and feelings of strangers 20% of the time. With friends we hit 30%, and with spouses, we hit 35%. So, whatever you think is on your spouse's mind, two-thirds of the time, you are wrong. And for those of you who are not good at math, two-thirds is more than half of the time. <laughs> That's a lot. <laughs> more than half of the time, we have no idea what our spouse is thinking or is on their mind. Amen. And that, <laughs> That's not great odds. So the podcast went on and asked, okay, well, Eric, what do we do? How do we know what our spouse or our, our friend is thinking or feeling? And he said, ask them. You want to know what's happening in your spouse's life? You want to know what they found funny that day? You want to know what their coworker said to them to make them come home in such a bad mood? <laughs> you need to talk to them. And studies show that on average couples spend four minutes a day in meaningful conversation. Have you ever dedicated four minutes to something and actually succeeded at it? For those of you who are parents, what if you did that with your kids? I really like to take you to school today, but that ride is eight minutes long, so <laughs> sorry. Figure it out. <laughs> or what if you did that with your boss? Okay, boss, you got four minutes today. Make them count. <laughs> that is what is called an open job position. Okay? Our relationships, our future marriages, they need more than just four minutes a day. Yeah. So Andrew and I want to stretch you a little bit, and we've done this before, but we're going to bring it back around. We want you to schedule 15 minutes a day to talk to each other. Just 15 minutes. Now, some of you are like, I can do that. And some of you are like, that's impossible. But I want you to remember that little kid who was dreaming about their future and their spouse. The other thing you thought was, I can't wait till I grow up. Because when I grow up, I get to do whatever I want. I can have ice cream for dinner every night. And I'm going to stay up as late as I want. <laughs> I'm going to watch whatever I want on TV. I don't recommend doing all of those things, but you were right. When you're an adult, you are in control of your time. Contrary to what your children tell you, you are in control of your time. So put those 15 minutes on the calendar to talk to your spouse every day. Maybe they are 15 minutes early in the morning. Maybe they're after the baby or the kids went to sleep, there's 15 minutes. Maybe they're over lunch. Whenever they are, 
do it. I, I, we know a couple that they get together for the 15 minutes a day in the bathroom with the door locked. You know, <laughs> do whatever it takes. <laughs> get those 15 minutes yeah. in. Yeah, a little bit of a pro tip with it is that uh, for us, we had to tie it to an activity um, to talk. So it's like we're going to do dishes the old school way even though we have a dishwasher because that's – 10, 15 minutes where we can communicate or we're going to walk around the block and in that time we're going to, you know, we're going to communicate. So it also helps if you're trying to get into shape. Schedule a 15 minute walk to start off and talk during that time. But do whatever it's got to take. So the next thing that we want you to schedule is a date night. Yeah. Um, once a week would be ideal, but we're realistic. We know this is Northern Virginia and ain't nobody got time for that. So... <laughs> Maybe once a month, maybe every other week. Whatever works right now for your calendar, just do it. And we know, listen, inflation is real, y'all. It is expensive to do stuff, but you don't have to charge the card every time you go on a date night. You can be creative. When Andrew and I were first married, Andrew was still in college. I robbed the cradle. And... <laughs> But because he was in college, you can imagine, we had no money. Like, we didn't know what a dollar bill looked like. We had no money. We were living on student loans and a prayer. So, <laughs> we, but we still wanted to date. We were newlyweds. But those dates are some of my favorite memories. We went to the, there's a lake by our college campus. We went there. We walked around. Um, we did picnics, from, packed picnic lunches from home, peanut butter and jelly. And... All of those memories, they didn't cost very much money, but those are some of my favorite dates that we've ever been on. Whatever you have to do, be creative, be spontaneous, be fun. Yeah, and be intentional. That's what it comes down to. It's uh, uh, just the, the first step. It's defeating these landmines so we can move on in our uh, relationship. So we have to be um, intentional in it. Now, Earlier, Christina said that this series was for single people as well. And it definitely is, right? This is information that we want to know as we're, as we're growing and as we're, we're dating and, and preparing for marriage or that we want to share with each other. Uh, but this next specific point, it's just for married people. Because I, I get it, right? Some of you married people, you may be thinking, where does sex fit into all of this? Or was that just me? <laughs> all, right? Was, all right, now... <laughs> I know some of you were thinking that. Where does sex fit into all this, right? If we're talking about fun, if we're talking about intimacy and relationships and connection, well, sex definitely falls kind of under that category, right? Intimacy and fun. And if you are playful, fun, and carving out moments for your relationship, then, then sex can be a byproduct of that, but not always. And that is why so many marriage experts suggest that married couples should schedule sex. Schedule sex. And all the, all the kids are like, eyes straight down right now, right? But quick side note, right? Now, I know you're thinking, we're at church, and, and you might be thinking we shouldn't be talking about sex in church, but, uh, but thank goodness for the leadership here at the Foundry. Uh, we, this is the, we understand that this is the best place to talk about sex at all levels, at all age groups, right? It's, a, it's an environment so where we can talk appropriately about sex, especially in the way that God designed it. Because God created sex, and he wants it to be great in the context of marriage between that husband and wife. All right, so don't feel weird. So now, right, let's go back to the scheduling of sex thing, which is a little weird. 
right? Some people tell me that scheduling sex takes away the spontaneity. Who cares? Right? Who cares? Like I've said before, I would rather be a nerd with, with fun and sex in my marriage than be Mr. Spontaneous. Right? Yes, most of us need to schedule sex. Why? Right? Because we're busy. Right? We have things going on, and oftentimes if we don't schedule it, it won't happen. But maybe the, the most important reason to schedule sex is because in marriage, you typically have one spouse who is just instantly ready for sex, while the other spouse needs time to kind of warm up to the idea. Right? In other words, and you may have heard this before, but one of you is a microwave and the other one is a crock pot. I'm going to let you guys guess who's who in your scheduled time for communication. Right, you, can, you can schedule time to talk about it. But here's the point. Scheduling sex is like turning on the crock pot. Right, so, so schedule it. Now, some of you, you don't need to schedule sex because you're having it all the time. And whoop-dee-doo, right? Good for you. Right? Aren't you special? Right? But for the other 99.9% .9 of us, a little scheduling is a good thing to do. I'm also not suggesting that we should never be spontaneous. We should, but scheduling it never hurts, and it almost always helps. After I spoke on this topic with a friend and his wife, uh, they said they were officially determined to that, or determining that Sunday was going to be sex day in their relationship. And now that's what I call the Lord's Day, right? <laughs> right? So bottom line here is, this is the question. What is the difference between couples who have fun, who have intimacy, and enjoy each other sexually, and those who don't? Well, those that do are intentional. Right? They, they, they make time for it, and if that means scheduling it, why not? Okay, so one She left that point for me. Yeah. <laughs> There's one more thing that we wanted to say about fun. Um, and it's sort of like what you said about sex, that fun does not just have to be during that scheduled time. Fun is, you can have it at any time. <laughs> and when it comes to having fun, we all have to decide personally as individuals that we are going to be fun. Um, when I was in college, I was a young life leader and our group had this thing called the woohoo spirit. And basically what it was is when a kid came up to us and they wanted to do something that they thought was gonna be fun. And we kind of were like, eh, I don't know about this. One of the other leaders would look at us and say, woohoo, and then we'd all go, woohoo, and we'd do it, and you ended up having fun. So that's what we're saying about having fun. This is not about sex. You should, if you don't feel like doing it, talk to your partner about it, but everything else. <laughs> if your partner is being silly, if they're telling you a joke, Woohoo! That's the best joke I've ever heard. If you need advice on laughing at jokes that aren't funny, I am a pro. So just talk to me about it. We're just saying, are you coming home stressed and grouchy all the time and not even trying to have fun? Just try. Just put in a little bit of an extra effort. Intentionality. Be intentional about it. As partners in this relationship, we all have to make the decision that we are going to be fun. If our spouse is trying to be fun, let's try to be funny or fun back. Encourage their silliness and their pranks. Whatever you guys think is funny. Choose joy. Choose happiness. And choose fun. 
Absolutely, right? And, and choose to make time for fun. And that's what the intentionality is, to put it on our calendars, to make it a priority. The challenge is that our society, the, the world that we live in, does not always encourage fun as a couple. And that's what we're, we're battling against. We are led to believe that one more project, one more activity for our kids, one more part-time job is what we need in order to succeed. What happened to eating ice cream before dinner because we can, because we're adults, right? <laughs> Now, I'm not saying that we should shrug off our duties, because we shouldn't, right? We shouldn't shrug off our duties as employees, bosses, and parents, but I am saying that, that we are big people, right? We are grown-ups, and so we can say yes to having fun with our spouse, to defeat this landmine before we can get going and, and face all these other bigger bombs that are becoming our way. So as the, the band comes back up, let me close by saying this. We purposely started with the landmine of boredom. Right? As Christina and I were thinking about the bombs that kind of blow up relationships, we're keenly aware of the big issues that couples face, big issues that get all the attention and things that we'll talk about, like, uh, like affairs and addictions and lying and the lack of communication. But here is the thing. They almost always begin with someone saying, I'm bored. Right? I'm bored. I'm bored and looking for, for something else to entertain them or someone else to entertain them, someone else to bring them joy, someone else. Right? Boredom in a relationship is a slippery slope. Right? Some, some of you are just a little bored. Right? Some of you are thinking, hey, that was a fun sermon, Andrew, but uh, I wish our problem was boredom. We've moved past that issue. And I want you to know, I get it, I hear you, right? And God sees you. He sees you, and God is with you in that part of your relationship, with those struggles, with those, uh, those arguments, and with that, that just that lack of knowing what is the right next step to take. He's with you. And there is no marriage that is too far gone. There is no relationship that is too broken. There is no situation no matter how far past boredom you are, that God can't restore. <laughs> and that's, that's why we started very practical here. Because as a couple, if we're growing and focusing our faith on forging a lifelong reliance on God, if we're both doing that, and we're struggling, and we have issues and we're not communicating and everything she does just, just upsets me or everything that I do is, is just annoying or, or whatever it is. If we just know though that we're forging our life on God, we're going to grow closer to him and to each other in the process. And that's what we want to talk about in the next few weeks. Forging our life on God because we are married. And because he's called us to do certain things, to, to, to love in a certain way, to, to just serve one another in such a beautiful way that our faith can only get bigger because of how we do that and in the spirit that we do that. So I know it's hard. I know it's difficult. The relationships take work. But it's worth it. Because God created it. 
and we can grow closer to him and to each other when we're pursuing that faith that is rooted and forged on him. And that's what it's about. So let's stand and worship our God because there is nothing that our God can't do. There's no relationship that he can't help and bring about for his glory and for his honor.